Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and I am sitting across from the worn kitchen table that is this podcast from you today about to delve into all things sustainability. And one thing I want to get really clear before we even start the conversation, before I pour you your cup of tea or your coffee, before I rummage around in the biscuit tin and send it your way, is that this is not a guilt-based sustainability conversation. Because something I'm aware of is that I get this funny feeling in my tummy when sustainability is brought up and mentioned, and I often feel like I'm about to feel guilty, like I'm about to feel like I'm not doing sustainability well enough or clearly enough or concisely enough. I often feel like the way that I do sustainability is maybe not pretty like it's not Instagram worthy. And that might sound really silly to you. You might be so far down the line on your sustainability journey that you're like, what is this child's play? But if that resonates with you, then welcome. And I guess even if it doesn't, still welcome. We're here. Hopefully you can find some gems in the next couple of episodes. But in this series, you know, today we are going to be talking about sustainability as a concept. I'm going to share with you how I do sustainability in a way that feels really accessible because there is a lot of nuance and a lot of privilege and a lot of understanding that I think needs to come along with this conversation. We are going to talk about what reduce, reuse and recycle actually looks like in a way that's healthy and happy and doesn't cost us a million billion dollars because ironically, being sustainable in the modern day can feel really expensive and inaccessible and it just does not have to. So we're going to speak about that. And then on Wednesday's episode, we are essentially just dedicating the whole episode to like thrifting and op shopping and buying secondhand. So if you've been looking forward to that, which I know that many people have because it always, always comes up in the Facebook group, uh, the Sunshine Project podcast community, if you're not already there. Also, if you are already there and you've been waiting patiently, I sent out some goodies to some people who helped answer a question for me, which is what you wanted to hear in the upcoming episodes. And all those goodies are now out. They're on the way in their compostable mailers. If you're still waiting for yours, it won't be long. And if you're not waiting for yours, then maybe you're not in the group. And maybe you didn't know that there were goodies. So please join the group. But yeah, in the group, on Instagram stories, the dot sunshine project, just anywhere there's ever an opportunity to ask what you want to listen to, op shopping, thrifting, sustainability, always come up. And as always, we are starting today's episode and we're starting this week's series with a mindful moment. So if this is your very first episode of The Sunshine Project, let me gently explain. A mindful moment is a moment in which you and I really settle into what we're going to speak about next. We really find ourselves being present. I don't know if you can hear the rain thrumming on our old tin roof as I record this, but I hope you can. Because I hope 
that you're able to join me here and now. And what that's going to look like today is, as always, we're going to reset our breathing together. So a deep breath in. Feel those lungs hold and a deep breath out. And we'll do that twice more. A deep breath in. And we're breathing in that beautiful, fresh air, expanding our lungs, strengthening our spine, working our shoulders, and a deep breath out. All of the worries and the troubles and the stresses of your day. And last one, a deep breath in. We're ready for something new, rejuvenated, restored, hold it, and a deep breath out. And there we go. That's anything stale and stagnant leaving our bodies. So hopefully you've got some fresh air in your lungs. And usually in our mindful moment, I let my mind wander a little bit and share with you whatever's been in the deepest, darkest corners of my mind. But today, our mindful moment is actually going to be a few minutes of words by someone else. That someone else is Carla Borthwick, and that is who this passage has been dedicated to in the past. She's the first person I could find that it was dedicated to. So knowing the internet, I'm never quite sure if I'm getting good information, but hopefully it is. And this is going to set the tone for the rest of the episode today. This quote says, To the person who uses metal straws to save fish but consumes animals, I'd like to say thank you. To the vegan who isn't aware of our homelessness problem, thank you. To the climate change activists who aren't attentive to fast fashion, thank you. To the girl who gives her old clothes to the disadvantaged but isn't educated on sex trafficking, thank you. To the guy who picks up rubbish on his way home from a surf but isn't well informed about male suicide rates, thank you. To the people who stand up for horse racing concerns but are uninformed of the cruelty of the dairy industry, thank you. To the positive Instagram influencer who hasn't cultivated a plastic-free lifestyle, thank you. To the grandparents who knit for sick children but aren't up to date with current race and homophobic issues, thank you. To the students that stand up for bullying but are unaware of the constant domestic violence epidemic, thank you. To the peace activists, feminists, stray dog adopters, teachers, volunteers, foster carers, recyclers, givers, doers and believers, I say thank you. We are all on a different path and we all see through different eyes. Current world issues that you are passionate about aren't always what other people are trying to change. And that's okay. It's not everyone's job to save every part of the world, but it is everyone's responsibility to thank every person who is doing their part to save the world. Don't critique, just appreciate. Don't judge, just educate. We are all trying our best. Thank you. And on the back of that beautiful quote, there's another quote that I would like to share, and that is that we do not need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing zero waste imperfectly. And so imperfection is kind of the theme of the next few episodes because the truth is we are all imperfect 
As much as we live in a world right now where it seems like we should all be across every issue, we should all be standing up for every issue, we should all be putting our hearts and souls behind every issue, there is something to be said about spreading yourself thin. There is something to be said about being performative and acting like you care about something because you feel like you should care about something but not having your heart in it and having your heart in something and having care about everything being interested and curious about everything wanting better in all of these different places doesn't mean that you have to be perfect at all of them and if you are doing zero waste perfectly, if you're doing sustainability perfectly, then again, this might not be the episode for you. If you have half a jam jar's worth of rubbish at the end of each year, then I think that you'll be on this. But if you, like me, are listening to this from a place of wanting to know how we can bring sustainability into our lives in a way that is sustainable, then this is for you. Okay, why are we talking about sustainability in the first place? Well, firstly, I think it's cool as shit. And as I've mentioned, it is something that I've been quite daunted by and intimidated by in the past, but I think it's cool as shit now that I understand it a little bit better, that I've been able to meet sustainability where I am and I want you to be able to meet sustainability where you are as well. So the first thing that I think that we need to talk about is sustainability is about living life in a way that you can continue to live it for as long as possible in a way that means that the earth is sustained that resources are sustained that your energy is sustained that energy in general is sustained we're just looking for something that is you know sustainable like the doesn't mean we're going to burn through resources personally or as a society or as a world and the opposite of sustainability in my mind this might not be officially is overconsumption. and I am just stating this right at the top because the truth is there is privilege innately that comes with making sustainable choices there's a quote in Big Little Lies and someone who's speaking from a place of privilege says, you know, I made good choices and the person who they're comparing themselves to says, no, you had good choices. You had choices to make. And, you know, I think when we're talking about making sustainable choices, that might be shopping with sustainable brands or choosing sustainable items or whatever that looks like, often the conversation can get really muddied because it's like not everyone has the money to buy a dress made out of beautiful fabric. You know, some people need to go down to Kmart or to Ali Fashion or to, you know, Shein based on their income, based on their body type, based on their time availability, all of these different things. And I think that's really understandable. Like, I think that we need to be realistic when we're having this conversation in that everyone's privilege is different. Everyone's circumstances are different. But what I would say is that we cannot be lulled into thinking that overconsumption is normal just because it's something that is often associated with 
buying things that are more affordable or more accessible. So what I'm saying here is that I am never going to give someone the side eye for having bought, you know, a shirt from an online retailer that I'm lucky enough not to buy from, like a fast fashion retailer that I'm lucky enough and privileged enough to make the decision that they don't align with my values or my views, so I'm not going to shop from them. I'm never going to be mad at someone for doing that. I'm never going to shame someone for doing that. But there's a difference between, you know, buying within your means, shopping within your means, living within your means, and then falling into this like whole culture, this overconsumption culture that often comes with it. And Again, please don't get me wrong because I am a consumer, baby. I have to basically tie myself down to stop myself from consuming. I don't know if it's got to do with ADHD. I don't know if it's got to do with who I am as a person, but it is normal in our society to want to consume and have things that give us a little dopamine kick and make us happy and make us feel fulfilled. But yeah, overconsumption is the opposite of sustainability. And what I'm talking about here as well is not the Sam Vimes boots theory of socioeconomic unfairness, which is often called the boots theory. And that's another really important thing to bear in mind. It basically is an economic theory that says that people in poverty have to buy cheap and subpar products that need to be replaced repeatedly, proving more expensive in the long run than expensive items were in the first place. So it's like if you only have $15 disposable income at the end of a week and you need to buy some new boots for work and you've got $15 to spend on those, then you're going to end up going through 15 pairs of $15 boots in 15 years. Whereas if you had that money, which is $225 in the very beginning, then you probably could have spent $150 on a nice pair of boots, a good pair of boots that would last you five or 10 years with the proper care. But the proper care requires not only money up front, which is what the boots theory is about, it also requires the time that it takes to, you know, save that money up, to not need to spend that money on other things, to take care of your items. All of that's important. But yeah, the boots theory of socioeconomic unfairness has nothing to do with overconsumption. Overconsumption is about consuming more than we need, consuming more than we even want often, you know, it is the hauls, it is the bulk buys, it is the 25 items for $12 that you can get sent straight to you from overseas. And there's a million other things to consider there as well, like the condition of the workers and like climate change and like all of that, but it's too much for today. So all I'm going to say is that there is privilege in being able to live more sustainably, but there are also options around living sustainably that don't require privilege and in fact are accessible to everyone. We will get into them. And also that overconsumption, I suppose, is the opposite of sustainability. So you probably 
probably grew up with the idea of reduce, reuse, recycle, or at least I did. That's what we were taught in Australia all the way from primary school. And I have done a little bit of research into this because I was wondering if people learn about this all over the world. And actually, there's more than that often used. So reduce, reuse, recycle, it turns out, is an example of a circular economy. And the best way to describe that is that in a linear economy, natural resources are turned into products and then you know, at the end of the day, at the end of their life cycle, they will become waste. They'll end up at the dump. They'll end up being some big trash island somewhere. This is often summarized by the phrase take, make, waste. So it's like take the resources, make something out of them and then waste them and then they're done. A circular economy can look like lots of different things, but essentially it's a restorative and regenerative system which employs reuse, sharing, repair, refurbishment, remanufacturing and recycling to create a closed loop system. So it looks like, you know, things are not going to waste. They're getting used again, recycled again, broken down again, created into something new or refurbished or there's a lot in that. But there are a few different ideas around what sustainability can look like and what a healthy way is to do sustainability. And I will say the other reason I felt a little bit daunted by it in the past is it kind of feels like for our generation, sustainability is something that is sold to us. So I just want to look at the word reuse. It's like you've got the idea of reusing as an idea that is quite old school. You've got, you know, reusing jars as vases. You've got reusing the seeds from flowers that someone has bought you to plant something new. You've got reusing cardboard, you know, burning it in your wood fire to create new energy and saving energy that you might otherwise burn from elsewhere. That's reuse. And then we've got reusable, which is essentially often marketed to us. And I can't tell you how many times I have not just seen ads for these things, but actually purchased these things. That's like, hey, you eco-terrorist, are you using pump soap still? Don't do that because if you do that, you're a terrible person. Soap in a plastic bottle? No way. Use this bar soap right now. And also, if I ever see you using that pump soap again, you're a bad person forever. And so I've bought these like eco-friendly products and then felt so guilty about using the original ones that I just don't use them and therefore create waste straight away. Like I've ended up throwing things out, which is just wild to think about. So I think a really important consideration when it comes to how to be more sustainable in our lives in general is that we maybe need to look at being more short term rather than long term. And I just think that's maybe a conversation that needs to be had around sustainability. I'm here to tell you to be sustainable, you do not have to buy anything. You do not have to be sold anything. You have no responsibility to any corporation or any brand or any business. All you got to do is do the best that you can. Now let's talk about making sustainability sustainable. And the best way I can recommend to do that is actually looking at short-term rather than long-term investment. And I know that sounds mad because I've just spoken about how we shouldn't go out and buy things to make us feel like we're being more sustainable, to kind of make ourselves give ourselves 
a pat on the back and move on to the next thing. But what I'm talking about here is kind of similar to how last week we spoke about exercising for short-term gains, exercising for boosting endorphins, exercising for untangling our mind. If we think about sustainability as a long-term solution or a long-term project or a long-term part of who we are, Holy dooly, we are going to be burnt out in no time. Because if that's the plan, all it takes is like one quick Google about the pollution that, you know, any large company or celebrity or anyone is putting out into the world and we are going to be spiraling into a pit of despair and we do not want that. So how do we look at sustainability as a short-term project? So how do we look at sustainability as a short-term project rather than a long one? Well, I would say that we look at sustainability as a short-term project in terms of what we can get each time we make sustainable choices rather than skipping them. So short-term sustainability goals look like saving money on buying a second-hand armchair that, rather than one that's brand new. Short-term sustainability goals look like setting yourself a challenge. Like I will mention it in the episode on Wednesday, but I have not been buying new clothes. I haven't bought new clothes for months and months and months now. And it's like a little challenge that's just for me. And it's so much fun and it's so satisfying. And at no point am I like, oh yeah, I'm doing this because I'm going to cancel out greenhouse gases from manufacturing. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this because it's a challenge and it makes me feel good. Another good short-term reason for sustainability, another feel-good good reason is that it's really cool to give something a new life, whether that's you, you know, bringing something into your life that was someone else's or donating something and giving it a new life and seeing it live that second life through someone else's eyes or by turning something that would have been waste into something that has a new life, again, like using jars for vases for flowers And the fourth way that I think sustainability works really well through more of a short-term lens is by just living a little bit more slowly and a bit more consciously and a bit more mindfully and taking a beat rather than being like, okay, I need this thing and I've done a quick Google and if I go to the shops now, then I can get it and I can tear off the plastic, put it in the bin and then I'll have that new thing and then like tick, done. There's something about trying to live a bit more sustainably that just helps me slow down, take a beat. The older I get, the more I feel like life is just flying past me and this sort of sustainability has become such a habit and such a part of my life that it's kind of helped me disconnect from the rat race a little bit and I don't know, I kind of like that feeling. So that's why. That's why I am deeply into sustainability and I suppose what that looks like for me. But to wrap up this episode, let's speak about how to live a little bit more sustainably. So we're going back to just that core idea of reduce, reuse and recycle. And there are ways that each of these, (laughs) I don't want to sound like you're like auntie that rants at the dinner table at Christmas about like capitalism and consumerism and all that stuff, but that's exactly what I'm doing. So I'm just going to lean in. So reduce, reuse and recycle have all been co-opted by the idea that we need to consume stuff and buy stuff and spend money and have stuff 
to make them work in a way that makes us good enough at sustainability, that we can consider it a part of our lives. But you don't need to spend a thing. So when I say that, I mean the idea of reducing has been turned quite often into minimalism, which like is a lovely idea in itself. But how many bloody books can you own on minimalism before it becomes ironic? I'm asking for a friend and also the friend is me and I'm ashamed. And if someone needs six to eight books on minimalism, then give me a yell. Reusing, you know, that looks like keep cups and water bottles and things like that. And I, you know, I I have a water bottle. I have a keep cup. I think that these things are great and important. I also think there's a bit of privilege when it comes with reusing things. And sorry to bring up my neurodivergence twice in an episode, but as someone with ADHD, I've had people ask me if when we have children, we'll be using reusable nappies. And they ask me that in a way that like, you know, their tone of voice and their general vibe is like, but of course you will, because you like being sustainable and you're not a bad person. Well, guess what, Meg? I probably am a bad person because there's no way I'm going to be using reusable nappies. I, when eventually I'm lucky enough to be pregnant and have a child i'll use compostable nappies i'll use nappies that break down i'll use whatever the best option is within not only my means but my capabilities you know what is not in my capabilities reusing anything that has had poo on it and if you use swear by love reusable nappies you're a rock star i love that that's in your wheelhouse i personally have had to throw out so many plastic food containers, keep cups, just like all sorts of stuff over the years because my wobbly little ADHD brain and my lack of object permanence means I will put something down and forget about it for so long. Like I used to lose clothes all the time in the washing machine because I would wash them, forget about them and they would go moldy. And people wonder why I've always got a pile of washing to do. It's because I trained myself to be terrified of doing the washing because it felt like a gamble as to whether or not I would have those clothes in two weeks' time or whether they would be covered in dark fuzz and dampness somewhere. Anyway, reuse has been co-opted to mean reusable, but that's not really what it means. It means reusing what you've got. And then recycle, you know, often we think about putting things in the recycling bin or, you know, sending in cans for a deposit, which is great. Like we make a tidy little sum recycling all of my Coke No Sugar cans, of which I am still very much addicted to, but working on it. But that can also look like recycling things to a new home and recycling things into a new life. There are some really great buy nothing groups and there's probably one in your area and someone wants whatever you got. One man's trash is another man's come up, as Macklemore said once many years ago. But how can we bring reduce, reuse and recycle into our lives in a way that is honest and sustainable and accessible and feels really good? Here are a few ideas. So reduce looks like potentially capping your things, like just having an idea of, say, how many jumpers you would like to own at one time and then making sure that if you are bringing a new jumper into your life, you are also donating a jumper. It looks like selling or donating things that you don't want or you don't need or you don't have space for. And 
it might sound a little bit counterproductive getting rid of things because you might feel like that then means you need to get more things, but it actually doesn't. And sometimes it can be, the problem can come from having so much stuff. And again, I'm not a minimalist by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes when we've got so much stuff, it becomes so normal to just bring more and more and more in. Another idea about how to reduce what what we're bringing in is to put space between you and a purchase. And I believe I heard about this on She's on the Money, but it's also something I've been doing for years. For me, practically, it looks like taking a photo of something that I like in a store that would be an impulse buy, giving it 24 hours, and then going back if I'm still thinking about it. If you can manage 48 hours or a week, then brilliant. If you desperately, desperately feel like you need this thing right now, which is something I do with thrift shopping a lot, then like, that's fine. But try and give yourself space. And the last point on reduce would be just to start like becoming aware of the cognitive dissonance that exists between how much stuff you want to have and how much stuff you actually have. Something that's really helped me reduce my overconsumption is by becoming aware of the mental load that it takes having so much stuff, it looks like it's not just buying something, getting that little hit of feel-good hormones and then owning it. It's like, where's it going to live when you get home? What things are you going to have to move to make space for it? Are you going to be stressed financially about it? Are you going to be stressed about, yeah, the physical room you've got for it? Are you going to feel cluttered and overwhelmed by your things as a product of having this? If you start to bear that stuff in mind, reducing becomes a little bit easier. Reusing looks like doing things old school. So again, it's not about the keep cup, although like if you're good at keeping your keep cup in good order, then absolutely go off. But reusing actually looks like doing things old school grandparent style. You know how like if you've got a grandpa, he's probably got a shelf somewhere and it's just full of jars with nails in them. Like that man never has to buy another nail in his life if he doesn't want to because he's got 100 of every nail of every size and they're in these little jam jars. Me, I would have gone out and bought jars, bought containers, bought some sort of organizing system as they're on Pinterest to get them all sorted. He didn't. He is doing sustainability so well. My grandparents use tins to put flowers in, like, you know, like tins from canned foods to put flowers in if they're giving flowers to other people because they can take them home and I guess they're not worried about not having a jar anymore to put any more nails in. Reusing also looks like buying to last and I'll speak about this more in the thrifting episode one very controversial choice that I make is that I buy secondhand leather. So I don't buy leather new, not really on purpose. I just I just don't really buy anything new when it comes to clothes and bags and things, but I buy secondhand leather and I feel really good about that. I feel really good about it because it's going to last me years and years and years. I feel good about it because I feel that it honors the life of that leather and wherever it came from beforehand. I feel good about it because I know it's not going to waste. I feel good about it because it's an affordable option because I'm giving something a new life. 
yeah, buying to last is something to bear in mind. And again, we've got to bear in mind the boots theory, but when you're looking at getting things secondhand, then buying to last is something that is very possible at a much lower price point than only shopping at David Jones. And lastly, reusing. This is going to sound so simple, but it's about using what you have. And I, in the past, have been very guilty of buying things that I don't need or bringing things into my life I don't need because what I have isn't perfect for it, but I'm trying really, really hard to get better at that. I'm challenging myself every day to be like, okay, what I have is this and it's not an exact match for what I need, but how about I give it a go and if it doesn't work, then we can revisit. So last week I built some garden beds out of old timber that we had lying around. It it was lying around from the renovation that we did. We weren't going to use it for anything else. Is that timber perfect for garden beds? No. Is it going to last the next 20 years? Doubt it. Didn't really know what I was doing. Did it save me getting in my car, using petrol to go and buy timber that is appropriate for the job, bringing it back? being stressed about using it properly and doing the best job I possibly could, yes, that timber now has new life. It's not getting wasted. It's not getting thrown out. And yeah, it's not perfect, but it's what I had at hand. And something about that makes me even prouder, even though the garden beds are so wonky and wobbly and not my nor anyone's best work. Yeah, that gives me a little glow. And the last thing on our list for today is recycling. So again, it's always cool to recycle. It's always cool to give something new life. And that might look like recycling by donating something to somewhere. There should never, and again, I'll speak about this in Wednesday's episode, but there should never be a reason to be throwing anything in the bin if someone else could use it or like that just simply should not happen. But it's also really cool to think about giving like plastic or cardboard or whatever you put in your recycling bin in your life. It's like you're hovering over the bins and you get a choice whether that thing goes to landfill or that thing gets to be made into something new. And maybe it's because I watched Toy Story a lot when I was a kid, but to me, everything has a personality and a history and a story. And I like to think about where that's going to end up next. Lastly, in terms of recycling, there are so many cool ways to do this, especially if you are at the receiving end. You can go to op shops, you can go to vintage stores, you can go to salvage yards, you can go to buy nothing pages or Facebook marketplace or Gumtree or uh, the opportunities are endless. And you and I are going to speak on Wednesday's episode about how to be an op shop guru, a thrifting legend, you know, someone that feels really good, looks really good, is a really good vibe in what they wear and own and have in their home. And we're going to talk about how to make it a fun challenge, how to excel at it, how to save so much money by doing it and how to just live your best life as a thrifter or an op shopper. I can't wait. Good human. If you have not subscribed to the Sunshine Project, please do wherever you're listening and then go to the other apps that you might listen to podcasts on and subscribe there too because then you're never going to miss an episode and also the apps will think, oh, maybe more people like this angel human who just subscribed would like to hear this and then maybe the apps will show it to them. That'd be nice. Okay. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget 
doing the best you can is a bloody good move. And I hope that you're proud of yourself and gentle with yourself and that you're looking forward to our thrifting episode very soon. All right. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.